Hi, y'all. Welcome to a very special episode of Oscar Central. I'm Kinsey Venunu. I am the editor-in-chief of our website. I'm here with Nicole Ackman, our managing editor. How are you? I'm good. I'm so excited to be doing this episode today. Me too. I feel like it's the best way to kick off the holiday season. Um, and we're also here with two of our busiest writers on the team. Lex, how are you? Just dandy. Just dandy. Just cranking out reviews like nobody's business. And then we're also here with Jillian, who has survived Avatar three times, the fake snow at the Grove twice. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm regrouping from a week of three-hour movies, but we are thriving. Love it. She did like it was like you and then Zoe, who is also here, did like Babylon Avatar, Babylon Avatar. And I was like, that's a lot of time. That's three hour movies are back. They're back. Um, so we have some of the best critics on this episode. I'm so excited to have this panel of women here today. Um, like I said, we're here with Zoe. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm so excited to talk about this one. Me as well. Um, we have two first-time guests. We have Cassie. How are you? Good. I just realized everyone was muted except for me. So you could probably hear me like breathing really loud. Sorry. <laughs> no, <laughs> I mute next time. I'm done talking. <laughs> I'm so congested, and I'm like, you're just gonna hear my like congestion throughout yeah, the episode. Sorry about the yeah, so so. sniffling for the last like five minutes. I apologize, but I'm doing great. Thanks for having me so excited you're here and then um we're also joined by emma how are you emma i'm great i'm not congested so i'm feeling awesome today <laughs> like i got a haircut i'm not congested <laughs> i'm living life um, i look amazing you do you, do. you always do <laughs> she really does so we are here today to discuss women talking which comes out in limited release this week and I'm so sorry to say, but every time I open Twitter, it seems like the wide release keeps getting pushed back. Um, but we were all lucky enough to have seen it a little bit early. Um, the film is written and directed by Sarah Polly. It is based on the no 2018 novel of the same name. It's also inspired by real events that occurred in Bolivia. The film stars so many great actors. Rooney Mara, Claire Foy, Jesse Buckley, Judith Ivey, Ben Wishaw, you're welcome, Josh Parham, if you're listening, um, Francis <laughs> McDormand for like two minutes, Sheila McCarthy, and Michelle McLeod. Um, it had its world premiere at the Telluride Film Festival in September. It has gone to pretty much every festival since then. Um, the opening of this trailer is such a flex of uh, festivals. Um, so it's wide release is December 20th, or it's limited release is December 23rd. And then as of right now, it goes wide January 20th, um, which is quite far away. It's yeah. been named in the top 10 films of 2022 by NBR and AFI. So it is off to a great start. I can't wait for more people to see it. Um, before we get into the discussion, I do just want to give a slight trigger warning as the movie deals with sexual assault um, and violence towards women. We won't go into any details of it, but it is part of the story. Um, Nicole, do you want to kick us off with your initial thoughts on the film? Absolutely. So I saw the film at TIFF. 
much earlier this year. And I really had a double whammy because I saw the Woman King and then immediately afterwards saw women talking. And it was like, all right, well, that's it. I'm, I have no emotions left. Um, but at the same time, I actually have talked about the two films sort of in tandem a lot, even though I, I feel like Women Talking has been getting paired more with She Said. But I think that both, uh, you know, all three films really speak to what a special thing it can be whenever you have women telling women's stories. Uh, I think that Women Talking is such a great example of the importance of having a female director on a project like this, because I think that for me, the most important thing about this film is that it is able to tell this story about sexual assault and abuse without um, putting the audience through too much. It's very careful, I think, to not be overly triggering to a point where people who have these experiences can't watch the film because that's something that really bothers me with some films is uh, if if you sort of are trying to have this conversation about sexual assault and you make it so that anyone who has dealt with this, you know, can't sit through it, uh, then sort of what is the point? Um but I think that it deals with it all really beautifully. I think that the performances are all phenomenal. It's like, I feel like everyone can come away with a different favorite performance in it. And I love an ensemble film like that. And I think that it does a really great job of telling a story that is very contained and very specific to this small community, while also you know, really dealing with a lot of topics that are very universal in terms of women's experiences and sort of uh, how women deal with men and sort of all the issues around um, sexual assault. And I think that it deals with it all in a really nuanced way. And it is the kind of film that I just think it's so important that it exists. And I'm so excited to get to, you know, talk about it with a group of all women today. Yeah, I've been so excited. Um, Cassie, you got to see it early and you also got to participate in that press conference, right? I did. Yeah, I didn't. I was like, I submitted my question. It was, you know, it was just them and they couldn't see us or anything. So we had to like type in a little message and my question didn't get picked. So it kind of ruined my day, but it was fine. Um, it was, <laughs> no, it was, it was super cool though. Um, yeah, what one of the things that, stuck out to me I loved Rooney Mara's performance so much um because it just felt really different for her I don't think I've ever seen her smile so much and she had the cutest little dimples and I was like she's it's just such a different performance for her and she mentioned during that press conference that she wasn't directed to do that you know they they asked her like you know why why did you you know your character's been through so much she is pregnant from what happened like you know, and and she's so smiley, and she was like, "I don't know." She like she didn't even realize she was doing it. So I think, and I just found her character so endearing. Um, she was one of my favorites, and yeah, it's such a great cast. They all have great chemistry, and it seems like they get along really well. Um, in real life, I love all the photos of them like together, and like them at Telluride, like just going to every screening together. I'm like, okay, favorite cast of the year like no doubt um Zoe Emma you guys both saw it at AFI we did we got to see it right mm -hmm. next to each other too mm -hmm. I was like down in the bottom crying by myself so fun <laughs> fun times fun times um Emma what did you think of the movie overall 
I mean, I, when I first saw the trailer and pretty much just kind of got an initial description of the film, plus the title, Women Talking, I was concerned at first, like, how would this play out in terms of it being very um, located in one space, being heavy dialogue? Sometimes those movies really work. Sometimes they don't. And you are just like, God, let's get this over with. But I'm so happy that this is the former in that it shines with literally every single person's performance in this. Every every cast member gets a moment to shine and to just express from the deepest part of their body the the hurt they feel, the hope that they feel with the decisions that they might make that over the course of those two days. And as Nicole was saying, even though this is very much rooted in just one colony, its reach expands beyond those walls and it touches on so many important and vital topics. And I mean, at the end of the day, like when you have a small group of women coming together, like a whole revolution can be formed based on that. And I just loved seeing the just thinking about what was ahead for these women and what a different life could look like for them. So it left me feeling inspired more than anything else, even though it does go into very difficult topics. So I had an absolute blast with it. And I'm so happy that um, I got to chat with a few of the women in the film during that actual press conference that Cassie was also a part of and uh, get to actually write a review for Oscars Central. Yeah, your review is so great. We'll link it in the um, description for this. I It's such a powerful film. And it's like Emma was saying, I literally sobbed so much watching this movie. And I was like alone sitting next to like men. And I was like, mm. but like, it just leaves you on such a positive, uplifting note. And it's one of my favorite watches of the year because of that. Because I feel like a lot of movies particularly at AFI just made me cry unbelievably and did not leave me on the best note walking out it was just like ripping your soul out and this movie does such a great job of like showing you what can happen in the future even if they don't show it and I think that's so important with a movie with such intense subject matter it's so hard to watch but I tweeted this that like I immediately was like I can't wait to share this with my daughter one day like I think it's so important and it just does such a great job of showing different women at different stages of their life reacting to this and it's so important to have something like this in media to share with people because I feel like everyone can find a character that they not align with but just like see themselves in and see their reaction and I think that's so important to have especially in a movie with so many actors like Nicole was saying everybody really gets an opportunity to shine and I feel like there are so many movies with huge ensembles where that is not the case and I was so happy going into this to see that everyone had a moment and it didn't feel like forced like let's get everyone their clip it was just like a natural Mm -hmm. progression of letting everyone have a moment Zoe, what did you think? I know you've seen it a couple times, right? Yeah, I've seen it three times now. And it's one of my favorite films of the year. Um, But before we'd seen like anything from it, um, I read the book when I knew it was being turned into a movie because I was like super fascinated by the concept and the plot. I was like, oh, this is going to be a big awards contender. I should probably catch up on it. And I loved it. I thought it was so 
just it's it was so true it just was so true i think to the universal women's experience in a way that few novels or even films i've seen have been um and i was really ecstatic with like the involvement of sarah Pauli and the entire cast and crew and then yeah i saw it at afi but before going into that we had kind of been inundated with all the controversy about like how like contained it was or the color grading and i had seen the trailer and i was like I don't really agree with this. I think it looks very open emotionally and physically. And I didn't, I was still optimistic, but I think you had that like wane in your mind. And then I saw it and I was like, this is nothing like anything anybody has said. Like it's so much more than it had been sold as by some of those initial critics. And so my relationship with this film has been very personal because I think the discourse around it thus far has just been so male dominant especially like at the start of the award season because they were the people seeing this movie and not that anyone can't see any movie and like connect with it or have an opinion on it but I think that in regards to this film there was so much that was missed early on that I think that has been touched on later and kind of affected its perception with the public because like you guys were saying it is just so real like uh, you're watching it and I'm like these are conversations I have had with my friends or my family this is like not ripped from the headlines but like ripped from real life like it really it it, like I said earlier it's just so true and I don't know how Sarah Pauli and the author Miriam Taos did that because it's it really just feels like they were eavesdropping on real life's women's talks and yeah I was just unspeakably moved like you were saying by the ending and the prospect of hope for the future because I think that's something that a lot of us have been missing lately with the recent controversies and just recent events around these similar around the similar subject matter like she said and stuff too so it it has just really touched me in a very personal way and I'm really thankful for this movie and I hope that everyone else can kind of see in it what we do. I literally keep telling my because I'm taking my husband um once it's out this weekend I'm like I'm so thankful that this movie exists and it's such a weird thing to say about a movie but I just feel really like I I hold this movie so close to me already and it's it's not even out yet like Mm -hmm. I just feel like it really is such a personal movie but it's also so funny at times like there are moments I was cracking up and it's like the perfect balance of being so heavy so hopeful but also having moments of relief that are not like jokes they're just like natural funny moments of like how real women talk and deal with situations and converse with one another Jillian I know you got to see this in a very special way the first time you saw it yeah the first time I saw it um I was at work and uh Frances McDormand and Dee Dee Gardner were putting on a screening because Fran is a client um, and so they wanted all of us little assistants to come watch the film and we took our lunch break to watch it so hopefully the industry did not crumble as we were loving and watching and crying over women talking Um, and I had heard like the stuff from Tiff so I feel like when I went into it like not that I was like jaded by it, but it was like, I hate like going into a movie where you're like, oh, someone talked about this and then you're thinking about it. So like, I kind of went into it with that, but also like not knowing much about the story. I just knew it was very heavy. So I wasn't sure like how it was going to play out. Um, And on the first watch, I really liked it. And I, um, I agree with like what everyone is talking about, how it feels like 
very natural not forced in a way of like the conversations and like I love a movie where people are just talking like I love the two popes and it's literally they were just talking about religion um because I feel like you can get into so many different angles of a conversation and then I saw it again at the um, LA premiere of women talking and that was also like insane to be there um and like I feel like the second watch really hit me harder because I wasn't like I've, I've been re-watching every movie twice because I like to go in when I know and have like a context of the world I'm entering so I don't have to think about like questions like the first time I watched it I, I was like did I miss something so like going in the second time I was like okay I understand like the entire story now and so I can really focus on the conversations and the relationships between the characters and like that second watch definitely hit me so much harder like the end when they're like listing out making a list of things as they're packing up like I was like sobbing um and I just love how I think everyone touched on this how it's like handled because it's such a sensitive like very important topic but it doesn't feel exploited and it feels like there's a real compassion for its subject and its subject matter and I think it's just very groundbreaking in a way to tell this type of female story because I think what we also said was she said like people want like the sexy version of like something so traumatic and it's like why like why would anyone want to go sit through that um and I think what Sarah Polly did was just amazing and I think this is a film that like I was also surprised it works so well in a rewatch because it is so heavy and a lot of dialogue but like I could probably watch this like multiple times which I really love that aspect too because you pick up something new each time yeah, I'm terrified to rewatch it because I'm like, I feel like it's going to hit me harder than I did the first time. Lex, you got to see it after everyone had told you how great it was. And I was so happy to hear that it held up for you and nobody like overhyped the movie in a sense. What did you think after your first watch of it? Yeah, I, through a stroke of luck, got to see it. Um, we don't need to talk about how. Um, but, um, I, uh, yeah, well, so I went in and knowing that there were kind of two sides to takeaways from this film, right? Is I'd heard from a lot of people whose opinions I trust that like, this is a really good movie that handles a really sensitive topic very well, like everything everyone's been saying. And then I knew that there was a lot of talk about the color grading. So there was like a level of like, I want to see what this color grading shit's all about. And my first thought was like, if that's what you were paying attention to, like, I'm sorry, go fucking watch it again and put your ears on, people, because it's not, like, I, you missed it. Oh, God, okay, I took Jillian out. Um, but, like, I just, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get, I mean, I understand, right? Like, it's naive to say that, like, why do people have such versatile reactions to these kind of films and why are people nitpicking things like color grading but then we give passes to more problematic things it's naive to act like we don't know why that is right um but I do think though that this movie is so well done and I think that it's a shame um if not you know not necessarily par for the course it's a shame that this is kind of a lot of the reaction but at the same time I think that there's been more that I've seen at least positive reaction towards the subject matter um I've been in the same boat um I know a couple of people said of like movies that are very 
dialogue focused and tend to kind of focus in on one pretty much like one conversation essentially can go either way for me I think you know there are some movies that do it really well I also love Two Popes and um, Mass last year I thought you know had a similar vibe in the sense that it was like one long conversation I thought that was very well done Um, I liked that this kind of played out like a play it felt very not theatrical in the sense of like a spectacle but in the sense of like you could see this translating well in like a small intimate black box theater type of um way and everybody in this movie is just giving like they're all and everybody's swinging or hitting it out of the park I don't think there's a single um weak link in this cast and I think the subject matter is very well handled and kind of like what Kenzie was saying what I really appreciate about it is there's like this balance of obviously really heavy topics that it doesn't shy away from without being triggering but it also does have moments of humor and I think that's really a nice kind of element because that's kind of mirrors what life is like even in the moments of like really intense trauma sometimes there are just like these bright moments that just happen and it all just felt very organic and real um and so yeah I am wanting to see it again I'm going to try to convince my family to go see it over the holidays we'll see um but yeah I I really really liked it I love that you brought up that like everyone just does such a great job um one of my favorite things in Kathy's review is her um she points out Ben Wishaw and I just feel like him and Rooney Mara have the best chemistry. And like Kathy was saying, it's so nice to see Rooney Mara smile and be happy. She's one of my favorite actresses. And it's just so nice to see someone utilize her in a different way. I feel like she kind of got stuck in this like moody. Honestly, the reason why I love her so much is because I see a lot of like myself in the way she usually portrays characters. And it was so nice to see her like smile and be hopeful, even with everything that's been handed to her. Um, Cassie, who is your favorite performance out of the whole ensemble? Oh, man, I think it's hard to pick. Um, It's so hard. It's so hard. (laughs) Um, I would say it's between Rooney, Jesse Buckley, and, and Ben. Um, yeah, you know, it's funny because the first part when I was, when I was watching, I saw it at London Film Festival, by the way, which humble brag was super cool (laughs) to go that, to go to that. Um, and I saw it in the same day as After Sun. So I too was very emotionally cashed. (laughs) I did a lot of recovery time from that. Um, but his, he does a monologue where he describes like young boys you know what I'm talking about? And that, for some reason, that made me really emotional because a lot of the time we don't put ourselves in their shoes. You know what I mean? And I have a lot of male friends and, you know, overall, on average, I do think there are a lot of great men out there. And so it did kind of, um, I don't know. I was like, why am I getting so emotional over the, over him talking about this? I think I had never thought of it before. And one of the things I love too, and that angers me is when I see people lumping this movie into like, oh, it's another man bashing movie because that's not what it is. Like not at all. Um, 
and if anything, it shows like what is possible. You know, these women are like, we need to get our sons out of here so we can raise them to not be this way. So again, it's that that hopeful aspect of it. And it's not a man bashing movie. And yeah. I love that you brought that up because one of the things that really stood out to me was like their whole argument of like what age can men still learn and can like they not go down this path. And when Ben Wishaw's character like weighs in on that, it is so powerful and it is like something like you're saying like we don't really like talk about openly and I feel like a lot because I have a daughter but I know like I have a lot of friends who have sons and it's like something they really like struggle like worrying about because it's you can raise someone the right way but it's like at the end of it it's like who they are on the inside but it's also the environment around them and the talk of getting them out of there is just so it's so hard to listen to, but it's also so important. And I feel like hopefully people will get over this. I mean, it's just sexism. The, like we can just say it as sexism. Um, this is a man bashing movie, the color grading, like, because there are so many great conversations. And my favorite part about it is that like, it is so hard to pick a favorite performance. And it's like, for me, I felt the most aligned with Claire Foy because if I was in her situation, that is how I would react. But it's so funny because the whole movie, I and when I also read the novel, it's like, you're so mad at Jesse Buckley's character. You're like, just do, like wake up. But it's like, it is such a natural response. Like it is her husband. It is the father of her children. Like it is, you can't just like move on from that. And I think this movie does such a great job of like showing the development of all of these women and I think my favorite part of this movie is the hard conversations you have to have with people eventually. Like you cannot just brush stuff off forever. Like they, you eventually have to sit down and have these conversations. And I really hope that as more people see it and don't just go off of like tweets Scott Feinberg was retweeting for so long um, that they will see there is so much more to this movie than honestly just men are saying I don't want to say it's just like it is just men like it is just men um but Emma what is what is your favorite performance in the movie I agree with you that it's Claire Foy for me um I just felt like yeah you felt that mother's anger you felt the passion behind her the we gotta get the fuck out of here because this is not okay and I felt she brought it like in every moment, even when she had a quiet moment or a pensive thought or whatever it might be, uh, she just like nailed it. And I did really enjoy her going toe to toe with Jesse Buckley because they did have quite a few moments where they were like matching each other's levels, although coming at it from two different sides of the decision making and the argument that they were trying to figure out uh, in terms of what to do in that moment. So I loved her. And um I don't know, it's making me kind of nervous that like all of the, not just her, but like so many of the women have been missing out on these so well-deserved nomina nominations and then the film too in general. So I'm really hoping that it can, I don't know, spark more interest among voting bodies, although it should have already like been at that point because it's definitely one of my favorite films of the year and uh, NBR 
put it on their top 10 list uh, afi put it on their list like it's it's beloved out there yeah i think it's just so important that people see it and i was kind of okay with the delay in its release because i was like oh it'll help it have legs in the conversation but the way it has been shut out for so much is a bit frightening Zoe, I know you and I have talked about it's shut out basically from the Golden Globes, which I'm just saying they don't matter. Like, they don't matter. I know they matter because they're on TV and people will watch them. But, like, overall, they do not matter. But what do you think about its current awards play? I know that's not the most important thing here. But, like, what do you think of what's going on with it? I know I th- I'm very frustrated by it personally too like I'm always saying because it's I, th- I feel like it has been dinged a bit from the initial controversy and just who got to speak on the movie initially um and that sucks because I think a lot of people were focusing on superficial aesthetic aspects instead of the actual meat of like the thematic material in the movie um but yeah it's definitely I, I don't think Golden Globes and Critics' Choice are the be-all, end-all, especially because there's not industry overlap with those voting bodies. Um, like you said, Golden Globes is televised again this year, so that gives films a little bit more exposure, which could have been nice. But I, I think there's still a path. I don't know. I don't know if more than one actor will get recognized, just because I think the field is kind of filling up. We'll see what SAG says. I think that's more influential, especially in terms of how the actors are responding to the movie. Um, But it does suck because I think you could fill an entire supporting actress category with this film. And I also think Rooney Mara deserves consideration, like Cassie was saying. And it it really stinks that it's going to have to like, it's going to be spotlighted into like having one like single person representing it. And I just think that's a really reductive way of awarding and acknowledging what this movie is and what it does. And I, I pray every single day that Sarah Pauly is not shut out. Um, because thus far she's only made those like groups where there's 10 directors in the lineup. And of course at the Oscars, there's only five. And I know that it's a very white dudes club, um, in the director's branch in the Academy. And I think that we should be recognizing direction that is not just the biggest or the loudest. I think that those directors can do great work too. I also love Avatar. I think James Cameron did a great job, but that's not the only way someone has to direct to be good at their job and I think that what Sarah Pauly does here could not be replicated by really anybody else I think it's very singular to her and her vision and the fact that some people have dismissed it just because it's quieter or subtler they're really missing the forest for the trees here and it's it's very frustrating so I hope that somewhere down the line maybe at DGA somebody throws her a bone so then it can give her some more momentum or the director's branch just save her at the very end regardless but yeah it's definitely in this kind of limbo at the moment but it's not doa yeah with sarah polly it's the most frustrating to me because i am such a proponent of like you're saying it's not the most directing it is the best directing and what she does with this movie is honestly astonishing nicole i know you and i were talking about it but it's like the importance of a woman telling this story and the way she shot things. And it's just so, it's just so frustrating. Like I too am very on James Cameron's train, unfortunately, but like, it's just, I like, I want to see a category where James Cameron's recognized and Sarah Polly because what they're doing are two completely different things. And I think that is like 
what shows the power of directors honestly like look at what we can admire all at the same time like for me Sarah Polly would probably be my winner I just think like what she does here is it's what you expect but at the same time not what you expect with this material and I was just like really blown away by it because everyone was so it's a screenplay or acting play only and that's kind of it and then I watched it and I was like what are you guys talking about <laughs> like I also think that like you know people have said earlier on the this episode that it does have a certain play like feel to it obviously it is one of those films that takes place mostly in one room but I think that it's Sarah Polly's direction that keeps it from feeling stale or flat that makes that room feel bigger than it is that you know I think that she does some really interesting things with sort of showing us um around the community even whenever our characters aren't in it but just sort of showing us what their world looks like and you know the comparison to James Cameron is interesting because obviously everyone talks a lot about world building with something like Avatar the Way of Water but I also think that Sarah Polly does an excellent job of very subtly world building for this Mennonite community and I think that it's really important that we have that sense of what their world is to understand the conversation that they're having and what the stakes are for them and I think that a lesser director might not have you know known to do that and I think that whenever you can have a director who can make something that takes place mostly in one room feel really still you know engaging and and volatile I think that that really speaks to their direction like you know last year the director of mass was my winner for director because if you can make something like that feel bigger than it is then I think that that you know speaks to being a good director the same way that making something like Avatar The Way of Water feel real does. And I think that it's a shame that Sarah Polly is getting overlooked. But, you know, like we've all said, we we know part of why that's happening. Um, but I also think that one of the important things about having a woman directing this film is that I think that it does a very good job of not showing too much in terms of the assault itself. We see sort of the aftermath of it, um, particularly in those sort of brief flashbacks that we get. But I think that it really speaks to Polly that she knows exactly how much she can show to get the emotional impact that she needs uh, with and, you know, and for for the audience to understand the situation without it feeling like it's being, you know, sort of forced upon us. I feel in general, it's such a respectfully made film because of the fact that women are behind and uh in front of the camera like every time that like something very dark and very violent is talked about it's as you said it's not shown but you can still get that message across by showing uh those aftermaths the emotions that these women feel how their lives have been impacted by it and like when you have the right group of people involved in a project it makes a world of a difference and it certainly did with this one yeah like for me I cried the whole movie honestly but I when um it's revealed what why Claire Foy is the most angry um and I just absolutely lost it but it's like they don't show anything they don't like make it feel like exploitive in any way and 
The other thing is I feel like seeing the cast all together in real life just shows how safe the set was and how open and like everyone felt respected at all times. And I know Jillian, you and then Emma and Zoe at AFI got to see um, Dee Dee Gardner talking about this movie and like how Frances like optioned the book and like kind of like held on to it until she could get the best cast and crew for this project. And I think you can feel that every step of the way. And another thing I love about this movie is that we have an amazing score, like easily the best score of the year, I'm safe to say. Um, but it's like everyone involved is a woman and it just feel like you can feel that watching it because it's not any sort of man like kind of stepping in. And it's like Ben Wishaw's the perfect man for this movie to be our singular man in the movie because... He is so non-threatening and his scene with um, Rooney Mara is just so heartbreaking. And I think, Cassie, you talk about this in your review, that it's just like, it's so pure and that it's so awful when you realize what's coming. And it just like, oh my God, I could cry thinking about it. But um, I guess we can talk about this since it's in the new trailer, um, the time period of this movie, which is revealed quite late in the movie. Did y'all know what year it was? Before? I know Zoe read the book, but did you guys know what year the movie was set in? No. no. And my jaw was on the ground. Like, I literally thought this was 18, 1852. And then I was like, this is 2010. Like, this is all happening while I'm reading iCarly fan fiction. Like, it was, like, it was a shocking revelation for me. So I noticed little things from the beginning. Like, I think there were a couple of things, like, like then when Winshaw's character Winshaw's character was writing with like a ballpoint pen and I was like that looks really modern and I was like there's no way they overlooked that right like they're smarter <laughs> than that like why would they be doing that so there were little things like that so so yeah but I think it's so smart because it's just a subtle nod to the fact that this could be any place anytime anywhere on earth it's it's universal and it's and it's something that's been happening and will keep happening and I thought it was really clever, honestly, that they did that. And genuinely even more haunting with the fact that it was inspired by actual events, which is unbelievable to think about. Yeah, I remember when um Fran came to talk to us, like they wanted our insight on like how to market the film, which I thought was interesting. But like that was like a big point that someone brought up in the Q&A was like, the fact that it's in 2010 and you don't realize until daydream believer starts playing and then you're like what like and i think um i really i remember that she um was really into that point that was brought up of like that this could happen anywhere and like they didn't i think it's interesting to put it in the trailer because from that perspective like it seems like they didn't want people to know until they watched it so that it was like brought into like modern day instead of you just like going like oh this took place a long time ago like we've improved since then because I think a lot of period pieces you watch are like that where you're like everything is solved but this is like oh no this was literally like 10 years ago and probably is still happening it's interesting too because it's inspired by events that happened in Bolivia but uh, I interviewed Kita Alfred, who was the costume designer on the piece. And she actually grew up in Canada um, and near where the book that it's based on, um, where that author grew up as well. 
And she talked about how there there was a large Mennonite community near where she grew up. And so a lot of like her experiences with this came from having coworkers and, and classmates and, you know, people that she knew who were in the Mennonite community. And obviously, you know, the actual events of this are inspired by something that took place overseas, but um, the sort of world that they're living in was very much inspired by something that, you know, she said she was very familiar with and something that still exists today. And, you know, getting to hear her talk about how, like, this is actually how these women dress. Some of the dresses in the film on the sort of, you know, background actors are real dresses that they bought from people in the Mennonite community. The others are all based on and made in the style that they wear today. Um, So it was really interesting just to sort of help to situate that, like, in the present and the realization that, you know, we see it sort of as looking like a period piece largely because of these costumes. But, uh, you know, this is actually a way that, you know, people are living today. And, and I think that that also helps to sort of drive home this idea that, you know, the central conflict that we're seeing is obviously kind of, I don't want to say it's exaggerated because obviously it like actually happened in Bolivia, but it feels like a very sort of exaggerated, um, boiled down version of things that happen all the time in every country, um, in every time period. And I think that the movie does a really good job of feeling both quite insular and also very universal. Yeah. And we've talked a lot already, like you mentioned earlier, Kenzie, I believe how this is seen as a compliment to She Said this year. And I think the fact that it's also a modern piece, but takes place in this very intimate home setting makes it an even more interesting compliment because She Said's really focused on, you know, the workplace and like institutional, you know, perpetuation of sexual harassment. And this is like, you can't escape it here either. And it doesn't have to be just in a Mennonite colony. It can be in any home across the country like that the fact that it was made modern was just really haunting and when it's revealed in the book too and stuff I was like oh because you know I'm I'm seeing the cover it's like these women in Mennonite you know headdress and stuff I'm like oh this is like totally like a period piece and especially kind of the way in the film it's initially color graded controversial alert (laughs) you know it's meant to look very much like the past and yeah to have that that's just a really jarring shock and I think another kind of feather in this film's cap because it's something a lot of people won't expect and it really does I think underscore the importance of the film um not that like people aren't paying attention until that moment of the film but I feel like that's where you start like I don't know like you kind your brain kind of like turns on like oh my gosh like which is such a weird I don't know moment and I think it's like interesting that like the whole audience too like everyone as a collective like starts to get and engage more with what's happening um and it's also interesting because I keep seeing people compare this to Little Women and I don't and I would say she said it's the film to compare it to versus like I don't know where the Little Women comparisons are coming in other than it's women and it's being released in December um but I think it's like fascinating because it's like definitely not it's a period piece in that it's 2010 but not a period piece as in it's like little women um i i don't remember anybody walking in as these women were talking and saying my little women talking <laughs> i i feel like the truest comparison between the two is um a lot of men harping on color grading mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which i have to say i did not see that many people complaining about emancipation's color grading which was 
bad. Like it was or the whale. The whale. Um, I feel like it does such a good job of like keeping you removed, like in showing you how they're so far removed from the rest of the world. And that like that's why this decision is so huge. It is not just that they're leaving behind what they're familiar with, but like what they'll be going into is a completely different place. Like it they do not have access to all the things that we had access to in 2010. And it'll be quite a culture shock. It's just, it's so infuriating. That's what people walk away from because I honestly feel like it works in the movie once you watch it. So it's like, like Lex was saying, like, did you watch the movie? Like, I don't understand. Like, it's just infuriating that it's getting kind of lumped into this, like, it's a man-hating thing, like Cassie was saying. And, like, it's just, like, movies that are centralized around women at its core are not hating men. Like, it's it's just a movie with women in it. I'm sorry that that's offensive to some people. Like, I don't know what to say. But for me, I still just am blown away by the screenplay. I think that... um I wrote a piece about motherhood in film and this one really like is the one that messed me up the most I think because it offers such a different perspective from different kinds of mothers but the other thing I really love about it is that it's from the perspective like the narrator is one of the children older so you know that she made it out essentially but I think like it offers such a great um round of responses from different kinds of women at different stages in their lives from the older matriarch characters in the colony to like the young mothers to like their daughters is just so interesting without being like a forced like it's a generational thing it's just like you get to see how different women think of all their situations and I really love Michelle McLeod's performance um I am blanking on her character's name but I just think like it's a really interesting performance and her character is really fascinating because she's young and she just wants out and she's frustrated and I think that's how a lot of us feel that like we're young and we can't make things happen but like we have the most say honestly because we know better and we also have our full lives ahead so I think her character was really interesting and um the smoking thing like really took me out it was hilarious it was like the whole like I'm a teenager I'm gonna smoke it's so edgy like it was just so funny but I really loved her performance in it a lot and I just think like this ensemble I know Glass Onion is a great ensemble but I think this is a different kind of ensemble and I feel like we don't get ensembles like this quite often like I'm not slighting Glass Onion because it is a great ensemble like put Kate Hudson and more stuff but I just feel like this is a different use of an ensemble and we kind of get like an ensemble like Glass Onion every year, essentially, like different movies have kind of capitalized on what Knives Out did with an ensemble. So I really hope more critics groups recognize this ensemble because I feel like we just don't see performances like this that are all in unison all together. But um <sighs> I love this movie. I want to see it again. I'm so excited that it's coming out this weekend. It's uh, just truly like, I don't know. I feel like we don't really get movies like this. I know a lot of people, men, are saying it's just like awards bait, but it's so much more than that. It just feels like 
one of the more powerful movies without like forcing its message down you I feel like you really earn the message by the end of the movie and I feel like with such tough subject matter that's not what I anticipated um does anybody else have anything overall they'd like to say about the film I was gonna say in regards to your comment about men and their response to this movie um (laughs) I I I just think it's we've all talked about how frustrating it is but I think it's the mark of an unempathetic individual who doesn't see themselves in a film and then detaches from it instead of actually doing the work to engage with the material and the characters because we have all grown up seeing countless movies and movies that win awards that don't star us and don't center around us or our issues. And I think most people can still put themselves in that perspective or understand you know the themes in a film even if it's not about us specifically and it's really frustrating that these basically cishet white men cannot do the same and then they're also the prevailing voices in film criticism and then have so much influence and sway over these films that have nothing to do with them so now their words have hurt this movie that has so much value to so many others and it and it is really frustrating because like you were saying earlier and Cassie you said this too it's it's not a man-hating film at all I think Ben Wisha is like a great male character and like you said there's that really engaged and thoughtful discussion about you know when is it too late to save boys you know and I think that's really passionate from a teacher's perspective too and stuff to understand you know the importance of your role in that and it there's just so much nuance here and it really just shows that you're just not engaging with the movie even on a superficial level because it's all there and you're just purposely overlooking it so sorry for my soapbox but it's it's just so frustrating because I think they've heard this film and it's really shitty well and going off that Zoe like it's kind of like what I mentioned um last week on the Golden Globes podcast because I talked about how when Turning Red came out which I think it's kind of in the same vein of like people took issue with the fact that they Turning Red's about a teenage girl's experience with adolescence and so we just don't want to hear women's stories in the name of but I don't relate it's like and what I said was sorry my dog is like coughing um do we fan I'll make it a point um what I said was you know like I I don't relate to a bunch of people stuck in a theme park overrun by dinosaurs but I still love Jurassic Park like you don't have to relate with every character so it's not it's not a I don't relate and therefore I can't watch this movie. It's a I don't want to try to relate. Like you're exposing yourself as not being an empathetic person because if if you had to relate on a movie or if you had to relate to a movie to like it, well, then I feel like that would just lower the number of movies that people like generally. Like, can you relate to Finding Nemo? Can you, I mean, like we, we want to play this game. Like we probably can't relate to a lot of movies then. So it's just, I think the lack of empathy and the the blatant, um, you know, kind of dismissal of women's stories is just all the more apparent with the discourse around this film. And also, I'm sorry, to the point of it being Oscar baiting, I mean, to some extent, isn't every Oscar film an Oscar baiting movie? I mean, if it is, then we would have given Oscars to a lot of movies that weren't not or nominated, you know, like... I think the only um, movie in conversation right now for the Oscar that's not Oscar baiting is Puss in Boots. But other than that, I think there's kind of a level of it to uh, all the movies we're talking about right now. They're in the Fort Runners. I mean, that's just, I think, the nature of Oscar season. So, I mean, it's I don't know. It's just I'm sick of the comments that 
are just failed sexism and it, it just 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 cut that shit out that's 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 the end of my rant thank you yeah and like the point of film is like it's a medium that allows you to explore different stories and is a reflection on life itself so it's like why is there this constant erasure on women's stories and why is it and also like the fact that we're in like 2022 and like just to tell a female centered story by a female director and a female writer is like groundbreaking like it's great but like it should be it's a normal like everyday life like people know women women are women exist and to like want to cut them out to have a film about like real life conversations is crazy to me like it like not every film has to make money and I don't think the point of this film is to make money but I think because we measure success based off box office for film it's just very like I don't know it's just it gets very reductive of like films have powerful messages they allow us to connect and have conversations like I'm sure a lot of people are going to be having conversations after watching this film and I think that's the point it's a conversational film and it's just really sad to see like people mostly men just put it down because they just don't understand it or think it's trying to have like a secret agenda that I don't know like what movie they're watching because that is not the film they essentially think that women talking is um, Claire Foy as John Wick, just going after men and male reporters, I guess. Um, I, I would watch that movie. I would totally watch that movie. And don't anyone at me saying it is girl who kicked the hornet's nest because that was not a real movie. Um, but yeah, I really do think this is like this she said and honestly tar are like the movies that I feel like start the biggest conversations and like those are the movies that I find myself having in my top five like I feel like these movies really start amazing conversations whether you're on one side or another side like I feel like it just starts this open conversation and like that is why I just I'm really sorry. I know it has no shot, but this is the movie that deserves to win Best Picture. I am so sorry. Like, it just embodies the most from a technical standpoint, the performances, the direction, and just what the message of the movie is. And I don't measure movies by what they do at Oscars or the box office, but I just, like, have a hard time seeing a movie like this being ranked number eight in people's lineups because it is... There is no reason this movie is number eight. I am so sorry. Like, this is a top three contender. You guys are insane. And I said you guys on purpose. I am a y'all user, and that was definitely on purpose. Um, But yeah, I think that this movie just, it will really stand the test of time. Like, I really do think so. And I think that's something that, like, really works with how little they show of, like, 2010 in this movie, because... You can show someone this movie in 30 years and it's not going to feel dated in any way. Um, like the fact that it isn't showing like phones and things like that, like it won't feel like hard to show someone later on. Because sometimes I don't know about y'all, but I show people a movie and I'm like, that iPhone is so weird looking like that is not it kind of like takes me out. Like, I'm so sorry, Uncut Jumps, but like the phone just like sent me to space. But um, is there anything else anybody wants to point out about the film or anything? 
Um, I kind of want to talk about the going back on the the color grading. I don't even know if it is color grading, if that is the proper term, but like we can not we can have Chelsea tell us the correct term. <laughs> she knows all about it. Like that whole argument too is just really interesting because it's like when they when they start off the film, it's like it's a flashback. Like why would someone remember that like as a happy moment when that was like their life? Like same if we're going to compare it to little women like they're remembering their childhood in a warm tone because that was the happiest point of their life adulthood it's cool tone because it's everything sex when you're an adult and so it's like this like why would they want to remember like these attacks and these conversations like as the high point when they're looking back and it then opens up like into optimism with that last line of the film so it's like I don't know why that's so hard for people to grasp that that's how it's like being used because cinematography is more than just like oh the lights are pretty like it's a use of a storytelling device and here they decide to use it to showcase like memories in a time that like you're not looking at this through rose-colored glasses like I don't know why no thank you so much for saying that Jillian because that's I've been telling people that too like this isn't rocket science like this was a crappy thing they were going through it's not gonna be bright and happy and shiny like it matches the tone of what is happening right like it's not it's not gonna be like overtly saturated as they're like having you guys you guys didn't want this about leaving their life you guys didn't want this technicolor like (laughs) we're not using flared (laughs) lens or what is it flare lens flare like we're not sammy fableman over here yeah oh sammy fableman's gonna be the most talked about person on this podcast by the end of the year I feel it in my bones but yeah I completely agree like it's what like I don't understand like it's just so infuriating like did you want the pearl technicolor cinematography here like is that what we wanted for this story like absolutely not and I just I don't know I just feel like that's like a point that men kind of like took hook of and just like ran away with and I'm like it just shows you weren't paying attention like Lex said and it's so infuriating Um, honestly I thought it would have been cool if it was in black and white I think that's what I feel like I read somewhere where that's what they wanted to do because I think the black and white films we've seen recently have been really done well um maybe that would have been a step too far for some people because they can't get they can't see women dominating the screen and black and white yeah that might be a little radical but like I think I would have been behind that I think that would have been cool but that's what I will say about the color grading yeah it's definitely like a non-issue to me and the people that have made it an issue like I know what you're doing (laughs) I know what you're really saying like it's fine well and normal people will not even notice like I'm gonna show this to my mom over the holiday and she does not she will not know anything she'll just be like oh okay that's how the movie looks like no one's gonna actually because she'll be engaging with the characters and the script and the plot like that's not what actual audiences care like and it's not bad either like that's the thing it's not like it's poorly graded you just don't like the way it's graded Mm -hmm. I can't I can't it's truly like I showed my husband the trailer and he was like more caught off guard that it was like he doesn't like like dialogue heavy films you know so he was like what like mass sent him to space he was like I cannot watch this movie but I do just want to say this movie is not mass and the people that are comparing it I am so sorry that you 
struggle watching movies maybe you should find a different interest like I don't know I feel like this movie does such a good job of like keeping them in the barn but also leaving the barn and I feel like you have a real understanding of their colony without really like having like a a montage of their colony like you have a real understanding of like where certain characters live where they meet up where all their um crops are and I just feel like it's really impressive the way they were able to do that without being like here's a map of the colony um, but I also just want to say that like I think it's for me the opening and the ending are like some of my favorites of the year I feel like they it opens really strongly and then it ends even stronger and I just I feel like a real love for this movie and I just really think it's because of the way they all really like poured themselves into it whether it be the screenwriters the composer the performers like I just it's really like so carefully crafted but it doesn't feel like they're trying to be careful if that makes sense like I feel like sometimes you can feel people like restraining themselves and it's like so powerful the way they were able to bring this all together um and I don't know when the score comes out, but I need more than one track if um, MGM would like to let me have it, um, because I really think she should be, like, sweeping. I'm so sorry. I get it. John Williams is John Williams. But, like, this score is so good. It is the perfect balance of being, like, a big score, but not overshadowing the movie in any way. And, like, I literally tear up when it comes on my Spotify like it is just so powerful and it really like transports you to the movie when you hear it outside of the movie and I really love that um I are there any just other- wanted to add yeah one thing which is that whenever I talk to Kid Alfred about the film one thing that she really stressed was what a good experience making the movie was for everyone involved and she said that Sarah Polly and the producers of the film really wanted to make sure because they knew that there were a lot of parents involved in the making of the film you know in in the cast and the crew and they wanted to make sure that everyone had enough time to be seeing their families and to be you know having time off of set and that that was really a priority for them was making sure that it was like a good environment for working mothers and I think that that is so important and I feel like you can kind of feel in the film that there's this level of care towards the film from everyone involved and I think some of that comes from the fact that it was made in a good environment and it was made you know with people ensuring that everyone was able to make it without having to sacrifice you know too much of their their personal time or their family life and I think that like that's how all films should be made uh and I think we need to like be better at praising directors who really nurture a good environment on set because there are so many directors who do not and who create toxic environments on sets and who make it difficult for working mothers or working fathers. And I think that, you know, there there is so much to praise in, in Sarah Polly's direction that we can see in the film, but 
the things that she was doing off camera are honestly even more important to me maybe um because like let's be honest y'all we're talking about making films like nobody should be going through a toxic uh environment to make a movie um <laughs> and that just made me like the film even more to, to hear you know somebody say that it, it really was important to all of them working on it that everyone was able to have a good experience making it and I think especially with subject matter like this you want to make sure that uh, all of your cast and crew are really comfortable if they're going to be making something this heavy. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, before I respond, because I have a really funny joke, I know Cassie has to run off because it is the holidays and we all have a million things going on. So Cassie, <laughs> we'll link your review in the description for the podcast, but just let everyone know where they can follow you. Um, at the movie mermaid is my uh, Twitter handle. Uh, um, don't make fun of it. I love it. It's like <laughs> it's really it. clever because I love mermaids, so it is what it is. <laughs> but yeah, oh my gosh, it was so nice seeing all your beautiful faces. And Alexis, your dog is so pretty. Um, but yeah, if you go to <laughs> my, <laughs> if you go to my um YouTube, my like or not my YouTube, although I do have a YouTube, but my Twitter, my pinned tweet as like a link to all my work so if you want to like stalk my work please do it's all right there I've made it very easy for you all so yeah awesome it was so amazing to have you and you for having me enjoy your holidays I will bye beautiful ladies bye um but yeah so I just have to make this joke um you can listen to Jennifer Lawrence talk about men on set um in who's is it the hollywood reporters roundtable yeah it's, i think yeah or is it varieties Davis. it's um oh, no it's uh emma corrin's on it danielle dudweiler michelle oh, that, yeah that one's hollywood reporter yeah um she talks about men on set and uh that's a fun talk and she said it not me um but yeah, I think you can really feel that they all felt really like respected. And I love the aspect of um, the movie being about mothers and then like they were given time to go be with their children and families. It's so nice, especially like you were saying, like this is one of those things I feel like you would take home with you at the end of the day. And I also feel like that's part of why this movie is so important, especially like Zoe was saying to compliment, she said, where she said is like, you can face this at work, but this movie is like you could face this at home and it's just such an intense film to work on I assume so I can't imagine going home with your family to this and it's like I just assume it's like the hardest thing in the world to like look at your child right after filming such scenes but um yeah I definitely ran home from AFI and my daughter was asleep and I was like I have to pick you up anyway like I just sorry please She's going to listen to this one day and be like, what are you talking about? Um, but is there anything else anybody wanted to discuss? I feel like we've hit a lot of points with the phone. All right. I guess that is it for our discussion. Um, this has been so nice. And I am just so thankful that we all got to get together to talk about this. I think it's like one of the best films of the year. And I'm so honored to talk to the best of the women online about it um emma thank you so much for joining us we'll link your review which is on oscarcentral.com in the description but where can everybody find you and your work 
Well, first, thank you for having me. I'm so glad that I was able to join uh, so many talented ladies on here this morning. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Emma underscore Sasek, and I write things for Next Best Picture, occasionally Oscar Central. Uh, I just started doing a few things with Awards Watch, so kind of all over the place. <laughs> Oh, and oh. my, I guess my full-time journalism job, Desert Sun, if you want to know what's going on I was on just about Springs. to say, I read so much of your work there, and it's so great. You <laughs> literally are such a great writer. Thank um, you. <laughs> and then our favorite guest, who always shows up, and she should show up every week also, just like Emma. Zoe, where can everyone find you on the internet? You can find me essentially everywhere at my name, um, Zoe Rose Bryant, but mostly on Twitter, Letterboxd, and YouTube. And thank you again for having me, especially for such an important movie. I love you guys. I literally was just thinking, like, you're on, like, all of our big episodes. Like, you were on our favorite <laughs> um, blonde episode, which is the opposite of this discussion. And then you were on our She yeah. Said episode. Just, if Zoe's here, it's a good time. Um, Jillian, where can everyone find you? You can find me on Twitter at Jillian Chili. Um, and you also can find me on TikTok at Offscreen with Jillian. Um, and then you can find me on Letterboxd where I'm logging back to back avatars and Babylons <laughs> at Jillian Chili. Amazing. Um, I think that Zoe, Jillian, Nicole, and I will be fighting over Jake, Jake Sully on Pandora <laughs> the rest of the year. Yeah. Um <laughs> I'm not embarrassed. I'm not embarrassed. He's, He's so hot. hot. And for what? Hot. For what? <laughs> for what? For what, James Cameron? Um, Lex, where can everyone find you on the internet? So you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at, at Alexis Willie, W-I-L-L-I underscore. Um, you can also find me on TikTok, except I don't make insightful, nice um, TikToks like Jillian. I make TikToks being like, please bring Eddie Munson back. Um, but I am at Moonshoes Lexi on TikTok. You should follow her on TikTok. She's hilarious. Uh, Nicole, where can everyone find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Nicole Ackman 16. Also, I'm going to go ahead and plug it, even though Ken's might have been planning to, but make sure that you're following Oscar Central on all of our social medias because we are doing some very fun holiday giveaways and you definitely want to be able to enter them because we've got some really cool ones we've already done and, and we're just uh, giving away all the best stuff. Basically, I'm giving away all the gifts that I want and I'm not allowed <laughs> to enter and it's very frustrating um but you can follow me at Kim's Benunu on Twitter and Instagram and I just wanted to say because I believe this will be our last episode before Christmas um Hanukkah starts the day we are recording so happy Hanukkah to anyone who celebrates and Merry Christmas to everyone who celebrates Christmas or if you're like me and Seth Cohen Merry Christmas it's a great time of year for us but I know it's a very busy award season and movie going season, but I hope everybody finds time to just hang out with their friends and their family and their loved ones and their dogs and cats, maybe. Um, and, you know, go see Women Talking if you live where it's coming out. And if you cannot, there are plenty of things to watch online or in theaters otherwise, but just enjoy your time with your family. And that is our show. Thank you for listening.